Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. All right, well, let's jump in. Father, we ask you to help us tonight as we jump into the Word. We pray that your Spirit would help this stuff make sense. I know we need the things that are written in the book of Revelation, that our generation needs these things written on our heart. Holy Spirit, tonight, help us as we study that these things would become realer and nearer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well... We are uh, in our series on the book of Revelation, and uh, tonight is called, is entitled, The Global Leadership Under Antichrist. And what we're uh, obviously going to do there is, it's pretty obvious, we're going to talk about what the world will look like as the Antichrist is ruling it. And we're going to be using uh, mostly Revelation 13 uh, as our kind of our, you know, main uh, context passage. But <clears throat> before we do that, we're going to jump back from uh, Daniel chapter 9 because it gives us a little bit of an introduction to what we're going to read here that I think is an important detail because it's a bit of the preface before Revelation chapter 13 happens. The events that we're going to read about here for uh, just a moment in, Revelation, um, in Daniel 9 happen first. And it's important that we know that so we can kind of get the context of what's going on and how does all this work. So we're going to be setting the stage, if you will, here in uh, Roman numeral 1. Uh, Daniel chapter 9, verse 27 says this. He, it's talking about the Antichrist. You can go see that really clearly in the context of the passage. You're more than welcome to go do that. But Daniel 9 says, He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. Now, that seven is seven years, and all the scholars agree, agree about that. I mean, there might be one guy that doesn't, but uh, that's a, a very common uh, agreed-upon understanding that that's a seven-year period of time. So he'll confirm a covenant for a seven. So he's going to sign a peace treaty for seven years, okay? And in the middle of the seven-year peace treaty, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed to be poured out on him. So what we're looking at here is the Antichrist is going to be a political leader. He's got some version of uh, the clout to be able to sign a peace treaty. It's going to be a significant peace treaty. You look at the context of the passage, the the peace treaty is actually going to be uh, a brokered deal between the Antichrist and Israel, so that Israel stops getting beat up. Beat up by who? All the surrounding nations. So you're talking about somebody who's got enough uh, clout and influence and the capacity to navigate through you know, international waters for him to be able to broker a peace agreement between the nations around Israel and Israel to end international conflict because these nations are all uh, blowing up Israel, invading Israel, fighting against Israel. When he makes this peace treaty, he is going to look like the man to Israel, to all those that want peace on earth. I mean, he is going to look like the man. However, this passage tells us He's going to sign a seven-year peace treaty with the full intention of breaking it at the three-and-a-half-year mark. 
He says, I'm going to do this peace treaty, but it's all a farce. It's not real. This isn't real peace. I am signing this peace treaty just so I can win everybody over and I can really gain some you know, international uh, uh, you know, accolades that's going to set me up to be the Antichrist in full here in just a minute. Because up until this point, he will not be operating as the Antichrist. He's going to be a dude with a real first name and last name doing what dudes with first names and last names do. He's going to be doing stuff. He's, he's a human. He's going to do human stuff. But he's going to sign his peace treaty, and that's going to change the story. He's going to break it at the three-and-a-half-year mark, and some really interesting things occur at that three-and-a-half-year mark. Just so you can track with me, this seven-year period is the seven-year tribulation. The three-and-a-half-year period after he breaks it is what's referred to as the great tribulation. That's where things get really intense. The first three-and-a-half years, there actually will be peace at least between Israel and the surrounding nations, okay? All right, so let's look at some of these interesting things that occur here. This guy gets a fatal wound, and it's healed. He gets a fatal wound. Look at these verses, Revelation 13, 3, 12, and 14. All of them say this same thing that is really obvious. This guy dies. Look at this. This is going to be, I mean, the guy that will be on everybody's television set. You're talking about the most talked about person on the planet, at least for that minute, all right? He just signed this treaty. He is well known, all right? And then at the three and a half year mark, he dies. The beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. The beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. But I just want to make sure we understand that word fatal fatal wound fatal means it, you die of it okay and he does die we know that concretely because he goes to hell and rises from the dead from hell that's the next point part b look at these verses revelation 11 and then revelation 17 when they had finished their testimony the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them, overpower, and kill them. It's talking about the Antichrist. You can go see that in the context. Revelation 17, 8 says, Similarly, the beast which you saw once was, now is not, and yet will come up out of the abyss. The Antichrist dies and goes to hell just like Jesus did. Jesus, when he died... He did not go to heaven. Jesus went to hell, and it says he preached to the, uh, the spirits that were imprisoned, and they were chained up in hell. So now, now the Antichrist, because remember, he's anti-Christ. He's doing all the Christ stuff. He's just doing it bad. He's like Jesus in the sense that he is a Messiah figure, and he's anti. He's bad in every way. But there's all these parallels. So here we've got the Antichrist going to hell and raising from the dead, just like Jesus did. All right? Top of page uh, two. <coughs> when he rises from the dead, however, he comes out of that grave with some new toys. When he rises from the dead, he doesn't look, smell, feel, or act like he did before he died. He now is clothed with the power of the resurrection from hell, not from heaven. He is clothed with hell power. 
When he rises from the dead, it says this, the beast who had the fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed, the whole earth was filled with wonder. And they followed the beast. We know that he also operates in signs and wonders. He's got power resting on him. The Antichrist rises from the dead, and it's at this point that he actually begins to operate as the Antichrist. You know, I'll give you kind of a, a little uh, picture here. Satan is called the deceiver. So most of the time when Satan is doing something, he doesn't look like a horned dragon demon baddie. He's deceiving. So he might actually show up as an angel of light. He might actually show up as a voice that sounds very much like your own voice, accusing you and telling you you're the worst and just to end it all. The voice of the deceiver, the very purpose of the deception of, of what is being communicated is that you wouldn't know it's Satan so that you'd go along with it. Because if you're staring at something that looked like Satan and he was like, I'm bad and mad and I'm here to do dumb stuff. You'd be like, I'm not going to do whatever dumb stuff you want. But if he shows up and it seems reasonable and it seems beneficial, if it seems like, you know, this might actually work, if, if he shows up as the serpent in the garden and he said, did God really say that? Come on, let's just eat the apple. Let's just do the fruit thing. See, he shows up as a deceiver. So the Antichrist, up until the moment that he rises from the dead, he has been operating completely in the shadows. He's been operating as far as all the demonic authority. It's all been in the shadows. He has not been operating and showing himself as a beast. He has not been looking antichrist-ish. He's been looking good political leader-ish. But when he rises from the dead, he takes the mask off, so to speak. And that's when things shift. And it's at this point now that he begins to operate in all the stuff that when we read about the antichrist... Almost all the passages that we read about or things that we would frame of reference, they're actually dealing with the second half of the tribulation, the, the, after the three and a half year break the treaty mark, after he raises from the dead from hell. Though most of the verses that we have about how bad he is, most of them, they're applying to that second half of that seven year period, the great tribulation. That's when he shows himself strong and mighty. What does he do? First order of business. You know a guy has a, an evil spirit when the first thing that happens when they rise from the dead is they set up something called the abomination that causes desolation in the temple. Oh, good. Glad I'm back. Let's set up something abominable in the temple. Specifically something that will cause desolation for all. Anybody got one of those? Let's go set it up in the temple right now. This is what he does as he rises from the dead. What he does with his authority, his power, and his awe. Remember, he was already on the world's radar. Now he's been assassinated or something like that. And he rises from the dead. And the world is filled with shock and, and wonder and awe. And instead of being like, oh, man, I need to be in the hospital for a while. I need everybody to check me out and make sure you know I don't need a pacemaker or something. Instead of that... He immediately goes into, let me tell you my divine purpose. Let me tell you who I am and why I'm here. I'm God. And he goes and he sets up the abomination that causes desolation. It's the idol from Revelation 13 that can talk and all that stuff. He sets it up in the temple. This is the temple of God. And now it's got the most demonic thing that's ever been created ever inside of the temple. And this is his order of business. Let's now talk a little bit about, by the way, that means the temple will be rebuilt. I want to promise you something. 
The temple in Jerusalem will be physically rebuilt. It will be. So just know that that is a newspaper headline coming soon. All right? I don't know how soon, but you will, you will read that headline. You'll go, oh, well, there it is. They actually physically rebuilt the temple. There's too many prophecies. I mean, a hundred or more about that temple. That temple has to exist, and it will again, and right now it doesn't, and there's no such thing as spiritual temple, okay? They're going to have a physical temple in Jerusalem because you can't spiritually set up a spiritual abomination in a spiritual temple. You set up a physical one in a physical temple. They're going to build a temple, all right? So what does daily life look like under the Antichrist rule? It's bad. That's what it looks like. It's bad. First, there's a regular occurrence of demonic miracles. Look at this, Revelation 13. It performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of people. Not some guy lied about it. Everybody's watching and they see it and they go, dang. And it's, it's really happening. But it's done by demonic power, not by God's power. Because of the signs it was, uh, that it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. This is the false prophet operating. It's going to be normal for there to be demonic miracles. I just want us to brace ourselves. It won't just be the false prophet doing these things. The, the false prophet and the Antichrist government is gonna be looking for guys that are already good and gals that are already good at doing crazy miracles, even if they're only really small things, in order to anoint them to do even crazier things. Let's just remember, the prophet Samuel was raised by, from the dead, at least in order to appear in a vision state, by a medium, by a witch. Blah. That really happened. It's in your Bible. In this new regime of government, I guarantee you, Satan that already knows who all the guys and the gals are out there that are anointed with his power to varying degrees, there is going to be some recruiting going on to find some of these folks to give them even greater authority. I don't know what that will look like, but I just know Satan's not going to pass up that opportunity. In order for there to be others that will be operating in demonic miracles, in order to be able to testify greater ways to the Antichrist and the purposes of Satan in that hour. Next, government run with anointed deception. I don't like liars, but anointed liars are the worst. When they're anointed, I mean, they're good at it. I don't just mean good in the natural. I mean, there's a demon helping them. There's, there's something resting on it that's supernatural, that's of another order, another sort. You're talking about a government, a governmental system that will be operating under demonic anointing to lead the government and to deceive everybody into going the direction that the demonic government is going. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. There is going to be such a, a governmental structure. Again, I'm going back to those that were already operating in some of this at a low level. Satan is not dumb. We wish that he was. He's not. His kingdom is not divided. His kingdom is actually organized. It's a real problem. It would be way better if it was just total chaos. It's not. He's the one that anointed these false prophets and these false messiahs. The power came from him. He didn't forget about that when now his antichrist is ruling the planet. He knows who those guys are. And I just know they will, those and others will be working into various forms of the government and it will be causing serious problems. Delegated authority to the false prophet. Really? 
the false prophet is really the one running the show. I mean, through all of them are operating the same demonic power, but really the false prophet is the one that's given to be the guy really orchestrating the events. Look at this, top of page three. uh, three. (coughs) Revelation 13, 11. I saw a second beast. It's the false prophet. Coming up out of the earth, it had two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf. All of the authority of the Antichrist. Everything the Antichrist has, the false prophet is operating in that authority, but he's not operating in that authority for himself. He's operating in that authority for the Antichrist. The, the false prophet will, in real all intended ways, will be operating really the government. He'll be running things in so many ways. A culture of blasphemy. I put these verses on here because I just want us to understand there is more going on here than us being told the Antichrist doesn't like Jesus. We already know that. We are talking about, I think, and this is just my opinion, but I think you can see it. I think we're talking about a culture of blasphemy being integrated into the worldwide governmental system. Things we've not even thought of before, but look what it said. Each head had a blasphemous name on it. Why not just say each head was against God, but a blasphemous name? Revelation 13, 5, the beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies. This this, uh, antichrist was given something from Satan so that he could operate in something that would cause impact. It says he was given a mouth to utter proud words and to utter blasphemies. He's given power to blaspheme. It's not just that he blasphemes. It's now that it's, it's anointed from Satan in a way that we just can't imagine. I just don't imagine that the Antichrist is walking around all day just muttering things under his breath, bad words, and saying, I don't like God. I think there's more going on here. This is something that the Antichrist is given power to take and to do something powerful with it into the culture and into the government that he's running. Now, what does that look like? I don't much know. But I want us to prep for a culture that is being integrated, that is being uh, infiltrated, that that is having blasphemy pushed into it in really intentional ways. And whatever we experience now in 2021 is baby by comparison to what happens when the Antichrist is anointed to blaspheme God, which is a moment. This happens in a moment. It happens when the Antichrist rises from the dead. Then, then blasphemy really starts. Okay, so I just want us to kind of get that picture. Living under oppressive rule, Revelation 13, 10, if anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone's to be killed with the sword, with the sword they will be killed. This gives us some real insight about what life will look like on planet Earth it's like, there's a bunch of you, this is kind of like a, a warning to everybody, duck. Because if you're destined to go to captivity, and a bunch of you will be taken into captivity, prison camps. I mean, think that, okay? You will be. And if anybody's destined to be killed with the sword, with the sword you will be killed. He's, he's talking about such a, a prominent reality on the earth that will be impacting Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people, not just a few. 
We're talking about a world order that's going to have to answer to the Antichrist, and the Antichrist is going to be doing heinous acts against all who stand against him, even all those that try to be neutral. There'll be no Switzerland in this thing, okay? We're going to find ourselves in a real situation where if anyone is destined to captivity, you go in there. Anyone's destined to the sword, you're going there. And oh, by the way, there'll be plenty of you that are destined to both. But there's also a third group that's going to escape those things. I don't think that will necessarily be the majority, however. All right, his global aggression. I'm not going to spend much, part, uh, much time on this part because I want to get to a few other things. But I will just give a glance over. There is a 10-nation power that will be the beginning of how he's going to rule the earth. You know, if you're going to try to take over the planet... You, have better, you better have a few guys with you to start with. Satan's already thought that through. He's already got a game plan. There will be 10 nations that from the very beginning, I'm talking that day, probably even before, I'm imagining the conversations are happening even in the first three and a half years before he takes off his mask, before he dies, raises from the dead and says, ah, everybody, I'm God, worship me. I'm imagining before that that he's already been having conversations. He's already been maybe even working politically to get certain guys in power in 10 different nations. And those 10 nations will pledge complete loyalty to him from day one so that he can actually do the thing that he was put here to do, and that is take over the world. You can't take over the world with no one helping you. He's gonna start with 10 guys. He doesn't end with 10, he starts with 10. 10 is the beginning, and that 10-nation power will then help him declare war against the earth. Now, I want to skip down to part C because it is a point that I want to I make. There's going to be war until the end. That was uh, Daniel 9. We already read that. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. Here's what I want to point out. War continuing to the end sounds really bad until you realize the Antichrist is going to be in charge of the planet. Now war sounds like a really, really good thing. Because what it means is someone will be fighting back the whole time. 100% of the time of Antichrist's rule, he will face opposition. 100% of the time. War has been decreed and it will continue until the end. And the end is war. The end is Jesus coming out of the sky with all the saints and angels and everything else. War will continue until the end. This is really good news because what it means is there will be freedom fighters, there will be armies, there will be nations resisting him until that nation gets taken over. It doesn't say that everybody's going to be winning these wars. It does say that there will be war, meaning there will be people identifying that is a bad man and we are not on board. And they will be fighting against him until the end there will be war and you don't call it war when it's you know a 10 billion you know member army versus 72 guys with sticks that is not a war that's a slaughter war there's got to be real threat there's got to be real opposing sides and there will be and that's an important detail because it says you know not just of the saints but it says of the saints the people who know their god will firmly resist him they will resist the antichrist However, the Antichrist is empowered by Satan specifically to fight this war and to win it. 
to win it in many, many natural senses. Ultimately, he loses. Ultimately, he's cast in the lake of fire. But for a good long while, this guy is taking ground, taking ground, taking ground. It's that dude in risk that just starts over there, you know, you know, in Australia, and then one little place at a time winds up taking over the whole map. And just there might be little setbacks, but the overall trend is the guy started over there and he just totally wiped out the whole world. The Antichrist will be raging against the nations. Just a point I'd like to make. I think the Antichrist is raging in Satan's rage and is operating out of Satan's rage as he wages war against the nations. He's actually taking up the offense of his father. Satan loses the war in heaven. He comes to earth and he's mad. And now Antichrist is taking up that torch of mad and going and fighting against all of God's people. He's given three and a half years to do it. Won't touch on that right now. System of forced economic submission. We're going to look at forced economic submission, and we're going to look at forced beast worship system. Both of these are in tandem, but I want to look at them separate so that we can kind of understand them a little bit. This is pretty interesting. This is a very crafty, intentional uh, strategy here. Top of page five, uh, Revelation 13. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their uh, right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. And the number of the beast is 666. Few things here. We're talking about a global New, a new global system that must be embraced. It is forced. So whatever level of freedoms we feel might be infringed upon at various seasons under various governmental leaders or whatever, it is only a little taste of what's coming. We're talking about an entire worldwide new system that will be mandated. Nothing like that's ever happened, ever. There's, a, there's never been a global anything I mean, it's so hard to make anything globally happen. Well, under Antichrist, (laughs) there will be a new global system forced. All people. That's an interesting statement. That's quite a feat. All people. It's not referring to every person, but that, because we've got the qualifier in Revelation 13.8 that says this. Revelation 13.8 says, all the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. Well, all whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb. So when it says all peoples, don't forget there's this giant contingency of those that will not worship the beast. And whether they will not worship the beast because they love Jesus or they will not worship the beast because they don't like the beast and later will give their lives to Jesus, thus their names are written in the book of life, either case. In either of those cases, they don't qualify as the all peoples, but everybody else, all people, all people groups, there'll be global control by the end. Something no one else in human history has ever accomplished. No one has ever ruled the world. Not even Pinky in the Brain. They never did it. (laughs) They will be receiving a visible mark. Now, I just want to give us a thought here. The idea of a, you know, a chip implant, I'm, that could still be. I'm just, I marvel at how we order food at restaurants now. It is astounding to me. 
You open your camera app and do nothing. You just hover it over a QR code and all of a sudden stuff starts happening. It's like, man, there's a menu. A minute ago there wasn't a menu, now there's a menu. Did they bring me a menu? No, they did nothing. There's just this QR code on the table. Now, if that's where we're at today with what can happen with scanning a QR code, and you didn't even scan it, you just opened your phone app and did nothing, then we may not even need chips. Maybe all that needs be is actually just a tattoo on the skin that's got an embedded QR code to the next you know, degree, to the next level of technology. You maybe don't even need a physical ID chip in you. You maybe just need a QR code, but whatever it is. But they're gonna receive a physical, visible mark and it says what the mark is, it's number is 666. So they're gonna receive a mark on their hand or their forehead. It's gonna be visible because it identifies, it also, it needs to be easily accessible. It's kind of one of the reasons that your toll tag needs to be on the windshield at the angle of the windshield at a certain place so that the camera can catch it. It's not enough for you to have your toll tag in your wallet. It's gotta be visible for it to be able to catch, okay? Similarly, this has gotta be a visible mark so that all the facial recognition software and whatever else, all the scan this, all that, can catch you and track you, okay? It's gonna be a visible mark and without that mark, no one can trade inside the system. No one will be able to buy or sell in this global economic system. But I'll just tell you, if I happen to have a garden of fruit, and you happen to have a garden of vegetables, you and me, we can do business. All right, we just won't, we won't worry about that whole mark of the beast system thing. We will be operating outside of that network, okay? And I just want us to understand that is a, that will be a very serious component of what's happening. Plus, don't forget the manna thing that God did with Israel out of the desert for, oh, you know, six days a week time 40 years. I mean, it's like, okay, God, you can multiply food. We're going to need that. Jesus is like, oh, it's a New Testament thing too. Hey, little boy, give me your little fishies and your little loaves. I got this. I can multiply meat too for you carnivores out there. It doesn't have to just be bread. I can do it. It's like, great, can you multiply pizza? I'm going to put him to the test. I'm going to want pizza during the Great Tribulation. So <laughs> stick with me. I'm getting pizza, okay? All right, eventual global domination, that's where the thing's going. The system of beast worship, uh, page six. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And the second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak. And, this is separate, the image could cause all who refuse to worship that image to be killed. I'll make it really clear. This is not a magic trick. This is not AI. This thing was given breath from Satan to the Antichrist, to the false prophet, to the beast image, was given breath to speak. Not to look like it speaks, to speak. And you know, because it says, oh yeah, by, by the way also, it has a will, it can will that anyone who doesn't worship it gets to die. So it's, it's actually alive. Now we may not like that, that doesn't matter. It's really clear, <laughs> this idol will be alive. I also think there'll be a lot of technology stuff going on. 
I think the technology components will also be there, but let's not replace the fact that it says was given power to give this image breath. That means it's alive. That word breath, that's what happened when God breathed into dirt. And now it's alive and it's a human. This thing now breathes into an idol and now it's alive and can talk and do stuff. Okay? This idol is set up, this idol is alive, and this idol forces worship. It causes all to worship the image. Let's go to page seven. We'll go pretty quickly through this. The obstacles that stand in the way of the Antichrist. I am so glad that while the Antichrist is going to have the craziest amount of power ever, at least there's going to be some guys and gals that are going to be causing him problems. I just really don't like it when the school bully is unchallenged. Somebody at least throw some dirt in his eyes, even if it doesn't slow him down too much. The obstacles that will stand in his way, the church will not yield. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. And then it says, a little bit later, if anyone's going to go to captivity, that's where they'll go. Do you know what that means? It means they wouldn't bow, they wouldn't give in. So they have to go to captivity or they have to be killed with the sword. Why? Because they will not yield. Lots and lots and lots and lots of people will not yield to the Antichrist. And they're given this charge to stand against the work of the Antichrist. And that will infuriate him because he wants everybody to bow and not everybody will. <coughs> Inability to fix major problems. Can you just imagine... Being the Antichrist, you're supposed to be the guy. Not only that, you've claimed you're God. Okay? You've said, I'm God. Everybody has to worship me. I'm God. And yet, the seals, trumpets, and bowls are happening to all of your people, and you can't stop it. Got a little bit of mud in your face. I mean, that's, you are looking mighty dumb. This is a problem he can't fix. Israel's escape into the wilderness that we read a little bit ago. The world at this point will hate Israel. It will be the main desire of most of humanity to eradicate Jews from the earth. That will be a great desire that is built up in their heart. And, and the Antichrist can't do anything about the fact that God's like, nope. Nope. And he takes them to the wilderness and he protects them. That will really make him look stupid. The Antichrist will really look dumb when he can't do the thing that all the kings are like, AC, let's get rid of Israel. Let's do it. It's time. And he'll be like, I, I, sorry, they're in the desert. Well, let's go get them. No, I, I can't. There's this cloud around them. Aren't you God, bro? Just get rid of the cloud. Well, let's... Let's just go fight some other guys. Forget about him for a minute. <laughs> he can do nothing about the taunting of the two witnesses. The two witnesses are standing, presumably some yards, in front of the, the abomination that causes desolation, this idol that can talk. And the idol's like, you go get those guys. And the two witnesses are like, fire! And they're just calling down stuff and wind, water. I mean, they're just like, <laughs> Captain Planet is a hero. They're, just, they're going for it. These guys can do whatever they want and the Antichrist can't do diddly squat. He's going to look dumb. The resistance of the church can't do anything about the harvest that goes on during the Great Tribulation. 
you just imagine how embarrassing it is when you're, you tell everybody you're God and everybody keeps getting saved to the other guy? There's all these people giving their lives to Jesus. There's this, there's this entire great harvest that says, these are those that came up out of the great tribulation, it says. It's just a great harvest. <laughs> and you got the Antichrist just can't do anything about it. I am so grateful for the resistance and the obstacles that stand against him. All right, I imagine his people are pre- even going to be a little ticked with him. I'm taking cue from Exodus 10. When you look at the parallels of the the uh, Exodus to the end times, it's like every parallel is a right parallel. I just want to read you what Pharaoh's officials were thinking when Pharaoh couldn't fix problems. Pharaoh's officials said to him, how long will this man be a snare to us? Let the people go so that they may worship the Lord their God. Do you not realize Egypt is ruined? I'm telling you, there's going to be some of his guys. Now, they probably won't make it to the end of the day. But there's going to be some of his guys that are like, hey, uh, might it just be a better idea to like kind of quit some of this or do this a little different? All right, finally, following the lamb or following the beast. There is just such a crazy storyline going on here. Look what it says about Jesus. Revelation 14, 4, bottom of page 8. They follow the lamb wherever he goes. They will follow him faithfully. You're talking about you know, a billion or two billion saints. They're going to follow him wherever he goes, faithfully. But then it says, people worship the dragon because he'd given authority to the beast. And they also worship the beast. It says, all the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. You've got some that will be following the lamb, but most will be following the beast. Some will be worshiping the lamb, but the majority will be worshiping the beast. Follow, worship, put all those thoughts together. Now check the other uh, point here. The ones that are following the lamb, they are lovesick worshipers. Look at this, Revelation 12. Our brothers and sisters, they triumphed over him. Talking about Satan. By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. The ones that are following the lamb, they are lovesick. They are all in. They they love him. They are doing it out of obedience and love and joy. They didn't love their lives. Like, what do you have? I mean, what's the most important thing to you? My life? Well, how do you feel about that compared to the lamb? Oh, he can have it. We're we're for sure not going to give in. They are lovesick worshipers, but look at the other side. These are those that follow the beast by force. They're coerced. They're angry. They're not happy about their decision. They're doing it in order to make to get by and make do. It exercised all authority of the beast on its behalf. And it made, it made the earth and its inhabitants worship the beast made. Revelation 13, 15, it caused all who refused to worship the image to be killed. You're talking about people being coerced and forced and forced. Your your punishment is death. You do what I tell you, you're going to die. The other side says, oh, we'll just die. We love him. Just go ahead and kill us. (laughs) This dividing line of death and who, which way you will follow. It's profound. 
All right, well, let's break up into groups. Luke, how many groups we got tonight? Four groups of six. Sounds good to me. All right, Luke, Fredenberg, uh, Cooper, why don't you get over here? That's good. Fredenberg, stay there. Caitlin, why don't I get you to move this time? And Andy in the back. All right, so why don't you guys break up into groups of six or seven? We'll do a little bit of Q&A discussion, and then we'll come back, and uh, we'll have uh, some final Q&A uh, with me here. All right. <clears throat> okay, so at this time, we'll go into our time of uh, Q&A, where each of the groups will present a question, and I'll repeat your questions as best as I can for those that are watching online and for those that hear the uh, message later on. So, Luke Cooper, why don't we start with you guys tonight? It's a great question. So, as we're nearing this hour that we're looking at, that we're, we're investigating, let's call it the Great Tribulation, that last three and a half years, how much does politics matter uh, in, uh, in the scheme of things? How much will it matter which guy or gal's in office and what they stand for? I, I actually think it'll matter a lot more than it ever has. Because if you've got a mayor of a town, just one town and one mayor, and that mayor is me, my town is not bowing the knee. <laughs> you know I mean, Brad Stroop for mayor, you know, 2090, whatever, I don't know what year. <clears throat> I, I'm just saying this, when it comes to those that the elected officials, especially at the regional level, because the the bigger you get, the more guaranteed it is that they will be overthrown and not wind up being in charge in a minute. And that will still matter because it will still be opposition to the Antichrist on the front end that will slow things down and all that stuff. But I think when it comes to regional, I think it'll be more important than ever. Honestly, because those that are in charge of small districts, counties, you know, city blocks, the guy in charge of the HOA, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like, okay, let's rally together and stand against that guy. And honestly, I think this, that subject, but man, politics are going to look so different in that hour because it's not going to be Democrats and Republicans. It's going to be people who are trying not to die and people who are taking the mark of the beast. I mean, it's going to be real, the, the, the lines are going to look real different, okay? And I would totally vote for that redneck who's going to stand against the Antichrist if he's willing to be mayor for a minute until he gets killed. I am, I am voting for that guy. I mean, as opposed to whoever else that's going to buckle under the pressure and, you know, give in. It's like, man, there's, we're going to see a drastic shift of politics and, and the value of that. But I also think when it comes to elections and such, as we are in that you know, period of time, elections are probably gonna look pretty different because the polling system is gonna be so universal and owned by the Antichrist and clenched and he's gonna want all these guys in place. So even the thought process of putting somebody into office or in charge or you're the general of our county or whatever that's gonna look like, I think those things are going to look different. I think it's really going to matter, uh, honestly, when we get when we get down to it. So, yeah, great question. Good good way to start having to get us thinking. All right, uh, Luke Fredenberg. Yeah, great question. So, uh, what kind of miracles will the Antichrist do, and why? Uh, so, uh, one thing that we see is we see that um, uh, in Jesus's teachings about what's coming, and he wasn't only referring to the Antichrist but he was for sure including the Antichrist when he said false Christs are coming and they will do miracles to deceive people. And 
And so you've got this precedent set that false Christs can operate in miraculous power in order to give following and all that kind of stuff, or gain following. So what will the Antichrist do? I don't know, but he's the Antichrist, and God is the one who is permitting all of this. Let's just remember, God permitted Satan to throw a rebellion. Okay? I mean, he could have just been like, no, nope, dead. And it never happened, and evil never entered anything. But God has permitted this Antichrist to rise and for him to have significant authority. So in my thought process, it seems very likely that if Jesus got to walk on water, the Antichrist will get to walk on water. If Jesus got to calm storms, the Antichrist will get to calm storms. And if I'm wrong about those two, I'm not even aiming at storms and water. I'm aiming at miracle types. I'm aiming at... This man is going to walk in the greatest level of anointing that any person has ever actualized on the earth. Jesus didn't even walk in all that Jesus could walk in. This guy is going to be anointed to do stuff. And so I think part of that will definitely be his ability to do miracles that wind up uh, thwarting opposition and causing problems and stuff. I, I, I'm for sure that they'll be in there. I think some of it will be in order to gain following. I think some of it will be just practical, like, oh, I better get out of this building. It's about to explode. And so he genie blinks to the next building. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what that'll look like. But, I mean, there's, there's going to be significant authority resting on him and the ability to do miracles and i think his motives will be varied as opposed to nope he'll only do a miracle if it's for this purpose i think they'll be for for various reasons in order to accomplish various things just like jesus did I and mean, there were times jesus did a miracle just because he wanted to be nice he wanted to be merciful he loved the person and he even then told me he's like hey don't even tell anybody i'm not even trying to get any credit for this one you know, but then there's some where he does it. He's like, now go tell everybody. You know, it's like, oh my gosh. So, so there's lots of different reasons. Yeah, great question. All right, over here. Okay. So, lots of backstory there, but the Antichrist has a purpose that he must fulfill at age whatever. I'm just guessing it's 33, but whatever. Okay. So, so he's got to fulfill this purpose at whatever age, but. If there's going to be people that are wondering, might that be the Antichrist? Shoot him. Open carry. Let's get that guy. It's like, or is it going to be like, uh, you know, or will God protect him? Will Satan protect him? I, I think that there will be, um, in a similar manner, that people that knew Jesus growing up, like, there's just something about that boy. <laughs> there's something different about that kid. He's just... I don't know that a bunch of people in the natural just thought that's probably the Messiah. I think there were some that were getting prophetic words. We see that. I think similarly, the Antichrist will be getting prophetic words, if you will. You're going to be somebody. You're going to rule the nation. You're going to, I mean, I think there'll be some of that. Uh, but I also think that there'll be some natural things about him that just cause people to be intrigued and taken, taken aback. Uh, as far as will God protect him from death, uh, before he gets to his, uh, you know, the end of his assignment, whether it's God or the devil or himself or I, what, somehow he's not going to die. <laughs> I can promise you that dude will not die in a car accident. <laughs> he will not die of cancer. He will not die until his assigned time because it's been destined for him to do that at that assigned time. And furthermore, 
Even the head wound, or, well, I say head wound. It, I, I'm not positive that I know that it is a head wound. We are positive it's a fatal wound. Uh, it says one of the heads of the, the, uh, the beast was marked, but that might mean literal head or it might mean not. So, but, uh, but whenever uh, he, he winds up with that fatal wound, like he was actually not protected in that moment in order to be able to gain the most amount of attention and glory so that he could die. And again, it's, it's my opinion. I could be wrong on this. I think he's going to die and he's going to be dead for the same period of time Jesus was dead. And he's going to be dead for three days. I mean, that's what you do if you're a false Christ. I mean, if, you're, if you're the anti-Jesus, you're following the storyline. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong on that point. But, uh, but I, I think that uh, whether it's God's forces or the enemy's forces or just circumstances or whatever, he will for sure be protected because that dude is going to make it to the prime of his life and not die before that and still have his wits about him and still have, you know, whatever other pieces, parts that he needs to be able to be the Antichrist. So I don't know if that answered the question directly, but all right. Last question over here. Yeah, that's a great question. The question is, how do we know that the Antichrist actually dies from the fatal wound and not that he got a wound that should have been fatal, but he's supernaturally healed. The, you know, the false prophet walks over and lays hands on him and, and, and the healing happens in front of everybody or something like that. How do we know he doesn't just like get healed? How do we know he actually dies? Because he goes to hell. That's how we know. He goes to hell. He rises from the abyss, it says. He rises from the abyss. So how does he rise from the abyss if he never went to the abyss? He has to go to the abyss. He goes to the abyss when he dies. He dies of a fatal head wound, and he goes to the abyss just like Jesus went to the abyss when Jesus died. That's what, Je that's what happened. And so he's in the abyss, and it says he rises up from the abyss, and that's the moment where he's endowed with the power. That's the moment where he's raised from the dead. I mean, can you just imagine wherever they're at in the burial process and he just comes up out of the coffin in the middle of the, I mean, that's just whatever, however that winds up playing out is gonna be so dramatic. And then he comes back with stories of the great beyond. Let me tell you what I just experienced. I just had the revelation I'm God. And I just raised from the dead. You see me? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm back from, from the dead. And, and all of you need to worship me now. And he now operates in demonic power. He, it's when the fatal head wound is healed. It's, it's after the, uh, that uh, occurrence that he is endowed with the power, that he is equipped, uh, that he comes up out of the abyss, all those things all together. So uh, it's a great question. Great. Okay, uh, worship leader, come on up. That's pretty fast. That's pretty fast. You know Christy Shimp, but that was pretty fast. <laughs> Nobody's Christy Shimp. <laughs> All right, well, Lord, we thank you so much for the word, and we ask you to help us. We ask you to help us as we eat the scroll to get wisdom, to get revelation. We pray to, even though it's intense stuff, for us to enjoy the process, for us to uh, ask the challenging questions and go to the word and see if what's being taught is in the word. I pray, God, that you would empower us, God, to be a people of the Bible and that, that we ask questions and that we answer those questions from the Word of God. I pray, Lord, help us, God, to be on that course. And as we study, as we go deeper, I know that your eyes are panning across the earth to see those, those forerunners. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Thank you.